Andrew and with me is Bevan Ramsden. In this podcast by IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, we examine the Australia-United States Climate, Critical Minerals and Clean Energy Transformation Compact, announced in Tokyo on May 20th this year by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and U.S. President Joe Biden. Bevan, although this agreement is not yet finalised, it appears to represent, on top of AUKUS and the Force Posture Agreement, a further tightening of the U.S. noose around the Australian people's neck. It certainly does. On August the 9th, the online journal Pearls and Irritations, which we highly recommend, ran an article by author and retired diplomat Tony Kevin, titled Our Minerals Are Ripe for the Plucking by the United States. The article shows that this new US-Australia compact, which has received little attention in the mainstream media, represents a further alarming sellout of our national sovereignty because it will, if put into effect, give the United States control of a critical part of our economy by preventing us selling our minerals to China, our major trading partner. On July 24th, The Strategist, journal of the US-funded Australian Strategic Policy Institute, the ASPI, ran an article setting out details of this compact which clearly show its one-sided and exploitative nature. The ASPI article was written by two American academics and is headed An American View on US Investment in Critical Mineral Mining in Australia. It states that the Climate Critical Mineral Minerals and Clean Energy Transformation Compact is basically intended to reduce U.S. dependence on China as a supplier of critical minerals such as copper, lithium, nickel, cobalt and rare earth, to lock Australia in as a supplier of these and exclude China. This underlying aim is concealed by an electorally appealing climate, sustainable and clean energy greenwash smokescreen. In a joint statement with Prime Minister Albanese, President Biden said he would ask the US Congress to add Australia as a domestic source of critical minerals under Title III of the Defence Production Act. It is claimed that doing so would streamline technological and industrial-based collaboration accelerate and strengthen AUKUS implementation and build new opportunities for United States investment in the production and purchase of Australian critical minerals. Whilst this would enable US investment in Australia, there appear to be strict rules proposed about who could access these investment funds, how they should be used and who the recipients of these US funds can trade with. The ASPI article states that under the compact, the US would fund only mines, not refineries, and would allow Australian processing of the raw materials only to the level needed for economical transport to the US. Australian companies seeking access to US funds would be required to divest themselves of any shares held by so-called entities of concern, meaning China. The SB article also states that the compact would require all participating companies to cease operations in China and cease selling their products to Chinese entities. Further, the compact states that the US should fund only those mines 
producing minerals not available in the US or Canada, and that US companies should have a controlling interest in these mines in order to enforce compliance with US regulations and prevent Chinese involvement. It also states that the minerals mined in Australia should be processed only by US companies operating in the US, that they should have an end use only in strategic US sectors like aerospace or transportation and should not be used in commercial electronics like TV or mobile phones. As Tony Kevin puts it, we will provide the critical mineral deposits and drive the trucks. The US will control and benefit from almost everything else in the supply chain when and if the US chooses to develop it and China will be kept out. This compact would lock Australia into the escalating US efforts to weaken and destabilise China by means of economic warfare. It is not a trade agreement based on equality and mutual benefit, but rather one which aims to dictate the terms of Australia's trade policy and foreign policy. If signed, it will represent yet another craven sellout of national sovereignty by Australia's political leadership. This compact is the latest tool by which the United States seeks to control and exploit to its advantage a critical sector of our economy. In addition to the massive influence it already wields through its majority ownership of Australian corporations comprising the commanding heights of our economy. We are indebted to Professor Clinton Fernandez for the information contained in his very valuable book, Ireland Off the Coast of Asia. He explains that of the 20 largest corporations in Australia, 15 are majority US owned. This includes the four major banks, the Commonwealth, National Australia Bank, ANZ and Westpac. Due to the disastrous privatisation policies of successive governments, the Commonwealth Bank, once the government-owned People's Bank, is now 63% owned by US investors who have profited handsomely from the interest rate hikes which have brought so much hardship to Australian mortgage holders. Professor Fernandes points out that BHP Billiton once popularly known as the Big Australian, is now 73% United States owned, as are the other major mineral and energy companies operating in Australia. Even Woolworths is majority US owned. The Australian political leadership constantly touts foreign investment as a marvellous boon, but never publicly admits that this entails foreign ownership, foreign repatriation of profits, and heavy foreign influence on government policy carried out by lobbyists who are concerned only with maximising transnational corporate profits. A classic example of this was former ALP Prime Minister Kevin Rudd's 2010 attempt to implement a resources tax on the mineral sector. 
so that the extraction of Australia's resources would deliver a better return to the Australian people. The mining companies and their parliamentary political representatives waged a massive campaign against Rudd's proposal. Fearing electoral defeat, the ALP changed its leadership mid-term, replacing Rudd with Julia Gillard, who subsequently watered the proposal down so as to render it largely ineffective. As we've pointed out in previous programs, the U.S. exercises influence and an increasing degree of control over our foreign policy through its collaborators in the Australian political leadership and using instruments such as the Force Posture Agreement and the Osmin Talks, which are held annually and involve U.S. and Australian defence and foreign policy ministers. Both of these instruments cede our national sovereignty to the U.S. The U.S.-Australia Force Posture Agreement gives the U.S. military and U.S. contractors unimpeded access to and use of agreed facilities and areas for activities undertaken in connection with this agreement. And it states that Australia hereby grants to the United States operational control of agreed facilities and areas. Part 3 of Article 7 states that as mutually determined by the parties, aircraft, vehicles and vessels operated by or for United States force shall have access to aerial ports and seaports of Australia and other locations for the delivery to, storage and maintenance in and removal from the territory of Australia of United States forces prepositioned material. Activities under Article 4 include training, transit, support and related activities, refuelling of aircraft, bunkering of vessels, temporary maintenance of vehicles, vessels and aircraft, temporary accommodation of personnel, communication, prepositioning of equipment, supplies and material and deploying forces and materials and such other activities as the parties may agree. The Force Posture Agreement has enabled the following. The basing in Darwin of 2,500 or more U.S. Marines each year solely under U.S. command and the establishment in Darwin of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Regional Command Headquarters and a U.S. Air Force Operations Center. War exercises such as Talisman Sabre involving U.S. and Australian forces and clearly focused on a potential war against China. The transiting and stationing of U.S. aircraft at the Tyndall and Darwin RAAF bases, including up to six nuclear-capable long-range B-52 bombers, which, within flight refuelling, can fly non-stop to China and back. The establishment of storage depots for fuel, spare parts, bombs and other munitions in the Northern Territory and at Bandiana in Victoria. An information sheet giving a thorough analysis and explanation of the Force Posture Agreement and the campaign to have it terminated can be found on the front page of IPAN's website at www.ipan.org.au that is www.ipan.org.au The AUKUS War Pact 
the Force Posture Agreement, the Osmin Talks and foreign ownership of major corporations has resulted in a serious loss of national sovereignty, of Australia's ability to, de to determine our economic and foreign policy. The Critical Minerals Compact, if implemented, will be a further alarming lurch in this direction and a matter of serious concern to the Australian people. Dr Mike Gilligan is a former senior official in the Defence Department. In a Pearls and Irritations article from September 1st, he states that we should be white-hot with rage at the erosion of our national sovereignty and the ALP government's fealty to America. Only independence can give Australia back its self-respect and national sovereignty, enable us to pursue peaceful and mutually beneficial relations with all countries, address the multitude of problems arising from climate change, and deliver to the people of Australia the fruits of this country's resource. That brings us to the end of this uh, IPAN podcast, although there is much more that can be said on this issue, and we'll be returning to it in the future. Mm -hmm.